important question tonight as we look at a second reason why Jesus died. Here's a question I have for you. Why do you matter? Why do you matter? Why are you important? When you look at your life and you just kind of think about stuff, what, what, what makes you feel that you have a sense of significance? What makes you look and say, you know, I'm, I'm good because of fill in the blank? What, what makes you feel like you matter? What makes you feel like you're important? When you look at life, what do you say? This is, this is how I know I'm good. This is how maybe I know that I have worth or value or some sort of significance or meaning. What do you look at and say, yeah, I'm, I'm good? Why, why do you matter? We all, we all desire to have significance. We all desire to, to feel worth, to feel value. That's something that we all want. We all feel like, man, I, I want to know that my existence is justified, that I'm not just sucking up oxygen that, that could go to the trees or that could go to other people. We all want to know that we, we matter, that we have some sense of significance, that our existence on the earth actually counts. I know this is something that I've thought about for much of my life, of just why, why do I matter? We all desire that, and yet we all also feel a sense of insecurity around the fact that mm, maybe I don't matter. Maybe I don't have the value that I'd like to have. I don't have the worth that I'd like to have. We, we, we feel this need to matter, and yet when we're honest, when we look at life, we would say man, I'm not who I want to be. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not as, I don't know as much as I want to know. I don't do as much as I want to do. I'm not as nice or kind or compassionate as I want to be. I'm not there. I'm not as good of a man as I want to be. I'm not as good as a husband as I want to be. I'm not as good of a wife or a mom or a friend or a son or a whatever it might be. I'm I, there's a sense of insecurity, though we want to look at our life and say, I matter, I have worth, I have value, I'm important, I have significance. We also feel an insecurity that we're not. And the truth is that the Bible actually would confirm that. We looked at this verse last week, and I'll just mention this again, but it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what this says here is that we're all sinners, and this is what we talked about last week, that we're all sinful people, which can mean a lot of things, and I'll summarize what I said last week, but it it can mean that we don't do the things we should do, that we do things that we shouldn't do. But it's not even just what we do, it's also thoughts the Bible talks about. It's motives, the inner motives of your heart. So I said last week that if we put everything on this screen of all the, not just the actions, but all the thoughts you've had and all the motives you've had, and then we sat your grandma in the front row, that how would that go down? Every thought and every motive, not even just what you did or didn't do. That we, we all are people that, that have sin in our lives. Thoughts, motives, actions, and even the good things we do are tainted by those things because we do the good things oftentimes so that people look at us and say, man, look at that guy, he did good things. That all have sinned. And this says, fall short of the glory of God, which is to say that we're built, that we're designed to, to look at God and go, that's who is worthy. 
That's who I love. That's who I worship. That we're designed to do that. And yet, we consistently fall short of that. So we feel this need for significance. We feel a need to matter. We feel a need to say, I'm valuable. I have worth. And yet we feel an insecurity that I'm not good enough. I fall short. We feel that. Don't you feel like you fall short on even just the things that you want to do or be or, or live up to, that we fall short all the time? And that awareness is in our face. And sometimes it's right up in our face. Sometimes it's just on certain days or certain years that we come face to face with that. But what happens is when, we, when, we're, when we're willing to see that this is true, that we've all sinned, that we fall short. I want you to imagine looking at yourself then in front of a mirror and saying, well, there it is. I sin and I fall short. I want to matter. I want to have worth. I want to have value. But when I look at myself there, I fall short. And so then what do we do when we see that? That mirror lives before us. Sometimes, just like a normal mirror, sometimes it's right there. Sometimes it's a quick glimpse as you're walking by. Sometimes it's a little pocket mirror and you only see a, a, a piece of it. Sometimes it's a hotel mirror and it's all magnified up big right in your face and you see it really clear that you fall short, really clear that you sin, but it's there in front of our face. And so what do we do? Well, here's what the Bible says that we do when we encounter that. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he says this. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, he's talking of the Jewish people in his day, for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So this is what he says. That when we're coming face to face with the fact in the mirror that we don't have the value that we should, that we fall short, that we sin, that we don't have the worth, the significance, the matter that we want, we seek to establish our own righteousness, which is to say our own worth, our own value, our own sense that I'm somebody, I'm okay, I'm good. We seek to establish our own righteousness. So this is what I want you to think about. Let's talk about this. What does that mean? How do we do that? If you're looking in the mirror, to continue with that analogy, you're looking in the mirror and you, you see, man, I fall short, but we need, I need to establish my own righteousness. And so that often plays itself out, as others have noted, in either pretending or performing. So pretending is we look in the mirror and go, well, I don't really look like that. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I, I am righteous. I'm, I'm not that bad. I don't really look like that, do I? Or comparing to other people. Well, I might look like that, but it's a lot better looking than that person looks. It's a lot better looking than that guy looks. Yeah, you know, but at least it's my face in the mirror, not their face. Or it can be that it plays itself out in just making excuses. You know, it's a bad hair day, a bad spiritual hair day. Just, uh, you know, 
I'll look better next time. That when the truth of the fact that we fall short is presented in our face, we seek to establish our own righteousness, often by pretending we're better than we are. So we look in the mirror and go, ah, I'm better than that, actually. One of the prime ways that we do that is by saying, well, you know, I might look like that, but, but really I am righteous. I'm, I'm building this, I'm establishing this righteousness. See, look, look at this when you see me in the mirror. I'm righteous because of this. I'm good because of this. Yeah, that's not really what I look like. I do have worth. I do have value because of, and then we pour that into other things, seeking to establish our own righteousness. So that could be a variety of things. What do you look at and go, well, yeah, I see that I fall short, but look, I'm good here. What is that for you? Yeah, I know I fall short, but I'm, I'm good here. I know I'm a person that is somebody because of this. That can be so many things. It can be the way you dress. It can be the way you eat. Man, I know I'm somebody because I eat the right way. I eat you know, the right things or I dress the right way. And I, or I'm a nice person. I'm kind. I'm compassionate. I'm friendly. I know I'm, yeah, I see that I fall short, but man, I'm, I'm a good friend. I love people. I'm thoughtful. I give nice gifts with bows and stuff and stickers. I don't do that in case you were wondering. Maybe I should. But look in the mirror and, and go, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm somebody because of what? Because I'm a good friend. Because I'm a good person because I'm intelligent, because I'm easygoing, I'm flexible. It could be anything, really, that we seek to establish our own sense of righteousness. We're faced with the reality that we fall short, but we have to pretend, no, I'm not that bad because look at this. Don't you see this? I'm somebody. I've got value. Or the other way is maybe this one is a little more honest. We look in the mirror and go, yeah, I do fall short. Yeah, I'm, I'm ugly. Spiritually ugly. But I'll make up for it. And this is the performance mindset. Yeah, I, I look and I'm ugly, but I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to live the right way. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to try harder, do better. I'm going to get my act together. I'm, gonna, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. This one's a little more honest. It's not pretending. It's, it's looking at the mirror and saying, yeah, that's what I look like. I'm ugly, but I'm going to be smart. I'm ugly, but I'm going to be nice. I'm ugly, but I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to perform. God, you'll be happy. Or maybe it's God-directed. Sometimes it's just self-directed that I can make it up to myself. I can... I can, I can live up to my own standards. Sometimes it's God, though. Sometimes it's God. I'll, yeah, I know. I see that I fall short. I see that I'm sinful. But I'll, I'll, I'll make it up to you. I'll, I'll do things. I'll, I'll earn it for you, God. To establish our own righteousness. Sometimes we establish our own righteousness by pretending we're not as bad as we say we are. Not as bad as we look in the mirror. And other times we do it by performing and compensating for what we see. We see that it doesn't look so good, but we'll compensate by doing well in other areas. By getting right with God and doing the right things. You ever feel like that? 
That's all seeking this sense of establishing our own righteousness. But here's, here's the thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not satisfy our souls, either of those. Because I'll tell you about both of them, why they don't work. On the pretending side of things, the very things that we look to, to say, look, I've got righteousness. I don't look like that. I, I'm, I am good because I'm a good person here or a good person here. The very things that we look to for our worth and our value and our significance, the very things we look to fail us. So we might say, you know, I, I, yeah, I see that I fall short, but I am okay because I'm a good mom. And yet, on a day that you're a crappy mom, not just because of the content of the diapers, on the day you're a crappy mom, then you don't feel so good. The very thing you were putting your worth in betrays you. Or if it's, you're a nice person, you're a kind person, the very, and that's how you know you're okay. That's how you know you're good because you're friendly and you're kind. And then you find out that a close friend says, you know, I really feel like you've been a jerk to me lately. I really feel like you haven't been caring for me lately. And they're right. You haven't been. If that's where you were putting your sense of worth and value to make up for what you see in the mirror... It, the very thing you put the worth in betrays you. Or maybe it's your success and that you do a good job at things. And you're doing a great job and that's how you know you matter. That's how you know you're significant. That's how you know you've got worth. That's how you know when you look in the mirror and see that you fall short. It's okay though because look, I'm a hard worker. I do a good job. I'm successful. And then you talk to a friend and they're way more successful than you at the same thing that you're trying to be successful at. They're just killing it. They're murdering it. And, you, and you're just, wow, I, I, this is how I know I'm good. But compared to them, I'm level one. And they're, I mean, they're level 30. So how can I say that I'm good because of this when compared to them, I'm a joke. The very things that we say I'm okay because of, I'm righteous because of, I'm good, I'm valuable, I'm worthy. That's what righteousness, I'm good, I'm valuable, I'm worthy because of the very things betray us. They let us down. Or on the performance side of things, when you look and say, okay, yeah, I know I fall short, yeah, I know I sin, but I'll make up for it. Really? How much, how much you got to do? I mean, it, it, that, that doesn't work because you look at it and go, when's enough? How much do I, how do you know you've ever arrived? If you're trying to compensate for, for the falling short, how much do you have to do to make up for it? You're never going to feel secure. You're never going to feel like you arrived. You're never going to feel like, okay, now I can stop. You'll never feel that way if the way to make up for your falling short is to compensate Partially because you can't, but also because you're going to keep falling short. So there's always going to be new things to make up, new things to make right. So they betray us. It doesn't work. We, we have this desire to matter. We have this desire to have significance, to have a sense of I'm okay. I'm somebody. I'm good. 
We have that desire. We feel insecure about it. And we should. Because when we're faced with the reality that we fall short and that we sin, we should. We try to make up for it, but it never works. It doesn't satisfy. So then what do we do? What do we do? If that's where we're at. Because we're back to square one, where we're standing once again in front of the mirror, looking and seeing, I fall short. I'm not enough. So what do we do? What about forgiveness? Is that what's going to take care of it? Is forgiveness going to deal with it? Last week, what we talked about was that we're sinful people and that Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. That he died to forgive us of our sins. So this is the beautiful truth, that we are sinful people, and because of that sin, the Bible says, the wages of sin, the payment of sin, is death. The payment of us building our lives on ourselves, of trying to establish our own righteousness, of loving other things more than God, of building our lives on other things instead of God, the payment for that is death. And instead of giving us death, Jesus on the cross takes all that punishment on himself. He takes all that punishment, all the punishment that we deserve that should go towards us, Jesus takes that instead. It forgives us. That's the beautiful truth we looked at last week. But is that enough? Is that enough to deal with that craving in our souls to matter, to have value, to have worth? It's not enough. Because here's the thing, that's not enough for God. That's not enough for God. God does not just demand that we be cleansed of unrighteousness. God does not just demand that our sins be washed away. He also demands our perfect righteousness. So God does not just demand that there be nothing wrong with us. He says that there should be everything right with us. So forgiveness says all the bad stuff's paid for. But that's not enough. That's not enough for God, actually. It's not enough to have access to a person of great worth just because there's nothing wrong with you. Think about it this way. If you wanted to meet with the president, if you wanted to meet with the president of the United States, how would that be possible? Well, let me tell you how it wouldn't be possible. The president wouldn't just run a background check on, let's say the president ran a background check on everybody. And goes, okay, these people don't have any crimes. They can now meet with me. No, that's not how it works, right? You have to be somebody that has not just abstained from bad things, that has a clean rap sheet. You have to be somebody that has lived in a way that goes, wow, honor, wow, significance. That's the only way to get a meeting with someone of the president's stature. It's not just... Hey, president, can I meet with you? I I don't have any crimes on my record. No, you've got to have positive things on your record. You've got to have lived in such a way that the president goes, wow, Medal of Honor, Nobel Peace Prize. Your life is, is special. You've done good. Come meet with me. 
That's true on a, on a basic human level, that to get into the presence of greatness, to get into the presence of such great stature and dignity of a person as the president, you've got to not just avoid bad things, you've got to have a remarkable life. So the same is true with God. The same is true with God, that God does not just say, no bad, okay, we're all good. You've got to have a life of perfect righteousness. God doesn't just demand that we have no unrighteousness. He demands that we be perfectly righteous. Now that can feel impossible, or it should, right? Forgiveness is not enough for God. The blank slate is not enough for God. It's not enough for you to have access into God's presence. It's not enough just to have a a piece of junk painting. If you're a canvas, just to have that wiped into a blank slate. It's only when that's a beautiful painting that that's put up. But forgiveness just wipes the slate clean. Forgiveness isn't enough for God, for us to have access into his presence. It's not enough. And the truth is, it's not enough for us either. It's not enough for God for us to have access to his presence just if we're forgiven. But it's not enough for us either. See, we want forgiveness. If you have any sense of guilt, if you have any sense of shame for seeing in the mirror the falling shortness, for seeing in the mirror the sin, if you see that, you want forgiveness. You want your guilt to be gone. You want your shame to be gone. You do. But that's not enough for us. It's not enough for God, but it's not enough for us existentially, experientially. It's not enough. Because that's not what your soul is craving, is just forgiveness. You want, I want, once again, to be told we matter. That we have value, that we have worth, that we're significant. Not just, you're not bad. We want more. Forgiveness isn't enough for our own soul's craving. We don't just want pardon. We don't want just um, the slate wiped clean. We want to know that we have good standing. We want to know that we have good standing. That we do have worth. That we are somebody. That our existence is justified. That's what we want. That's what our soul craves. Not just Forgiveness. Think about it like this. Somebody makes a great meal for you. Let's say you're on a date, okay? You're on a date, and um, we'll, we'll say the guy makes this great meal for the gal, okay? Makes this amazing meal, and, um, and, and the gal says, thanks for making this meal. And he says, hey, do you like it? What do you think? And she goes, yeah, it's not bad. Okay, is it good? Or it's just not bad? Yeah, it's not disgusting. It's not bad. <laughs> There's a word for that, right? It's bland. It's just neutral. It's not good. It's just, it's not bad. Or think about it this way. Let's, let's reverse it. Gal buys a new dress. Asks the guy. Hey, does this look good? You don't look bad. Is that what you want to hear? You just want to hear, you don't look bad. 
That's what I've always wanted to hear. That's so sweet. That's so romantic. My heart is thumping. I don't look bad. Or think of children. What do children want to hear from their parents? Father grabs his son or grabs his daughter and says, I'm not ashamed of you. Is that what they want to hear? Or they do they want to hear, I'm proud of you. I mean, you've never seen a Hallmark card that says, You're not ugly, your meals don't suck, and I'm not ashamed of you. Right? We want to hear positive declarations. We want to not just hear, you're not bad anymore. The slate is wiped clean. We want to hear something more than that. We want to hear that we have value, that we have worth. That's why when someone, when a guy proposes to a girl, he puts a ring on it, right? You know the song, he puts a ring on it. Because it says there's value. He doesn't just say, look, I'd like you to marry me. And I'm not going to put trash on your hand. No, I'm not going to do anything negative. Just a plain finger, just neutral. No, it says, I'm going to put a diamond there. Because I say that you have value, that you have worth. We want to hear those positive declarations, not just the bad is gone. There's nothing bad I see. See, forgiveness is not enough for God. To enter into God's standing. But it's not enough for our own souls. Because that's not what we're craving. Is just forgiveness. We want something beyond that. We want something that speaks to our heart. In a way that we're looking for all over the place. We want something more than just you're not bad. We want something more than that. And forgiveness does not give us that. Forgiveness does not give us worth. Forgiveness does not give us value. Forgiveness does not say you're special. Forgiveness doesn't do that. Forgiveness does not pronounce worth. I knew this gal. I'll just call her Jane. And uh, a few years ago, her husband and her came in for counseling and they'd been married for a couple years. And, uh, it was going rough. Their marriage wasn't going great. They were struggling. And she, um, she started to drink a lot. Was getting drunk by herself. Not that it's fine if it wasn't by herself. But she was getting drunk by herself. And just um, was feeling like a loser. Was just feeling like she, in her words, was an F up. And she was just a big, giant screw up. And that's how she was feeling. And one day as she was feeling this, she, um, I can't remember if it was a knife or scissors, but she carved into her arm the words F you because she just felt like a loser. And so as I was sitting down with them, I asked her, what do you feel like God feels about you? How do you feel like God views you? And what she said was really telling because she said, I don't think that God is telling me I'm an F up. I don't think that God is telling me I'm a loser. I don't think that God is telling me I suck and that I'm worthless. I don't, I don't think that God is telling me that. But I do feel like 
he's not telling me he loves me. I do feel like he's not, that he's withholding love for me. So she, she believed that God didn't look at her and see bad. But that wasn't enough because she didn't feel any of the positive declarations. And so still then waging war within her soul is front and center this reality of I'm an F up. I fall short. I'm a sinner. I suck. And you might not be at the point where you're carving that into your arm, but that might be being carved into your heart where just over and over again, you're feeling like, man, I'm just, I fall short. I fall short and that's up and center in your face. And forgiveness is not enough to take care of that. The declaration that you're not bad is not enough to take care of that. We crave to know that we matter. We crave to know that we have value and worth and forgiveness isn't enough for God to accept you. And it's not enough for you to be cool with yourself. So why did Jesus die? Well, we'll get to that in one second. But let me tell you this. If all you have is forgiveness, if all you have is forgiveness, if that's the only source that you're drawing on, here's what happens. First of all, your relationship with God will feel shaky. Your relationship with God will feel shaky. Because it will feel like, okay, God, you've forgiven me. That's good. Thank you. But that's kind of like God taking us out of the negative and resetting us to zero. And so every day it's going to be, okay, one day I didn't sin, two days I didn't sin, three days I didn't sin. Oh, man. Back to zero. Back to zero. A relationship with God will always feel shaky because you'll always feel like you're going back to zero. God's forgiven all the negative, but you're just sitting at zero and trying to work your way up, which often then creates this mentality of defensiveness that you don't want anyone to point out that you're sinning. You don't want anyone to point out that you're messing up or falling short. You don't want to see that because it feels as if Man, you just keep knocking me back to zero again. Keep knocking me back to zero. So there's a defensiveness. You don't like to see the things you're doing wrong. You might hide it from yourself. You might separate yourself from people that would show that to you. You might hate this sermon or the sermon last week or all of them. You might not read the Bible. You want to avoid. I I can't hear these things that there's something wrong with me. Because it can feel shaky. There's a defensiveness that comes out. A defensiveness. Likewise, you can often be very self-condemning. I'm such a screw-up. Failed again. I messed up again. Can't forgive myself. I hate myself. Because when you mess up, it's taking you back back to zero and you're always when you look in the mirror just seeing that zero or that's what it feels like you have to fight against and so there's this continual ongoing fight within your soul and you might hate sin you might hate it 
And people might even respect you because of that. People might even say, man, that person's really holy because they hate sin. But you hate it because it makes you look bad. And you hate it because it makes you feel bad and feel like you're a zero again. Not because it offends God or harms other people. You hate it because it feels once again falling short. Once again, there it is. That's the point at which many people leave the church. And this is some of your story. You just have felt that way over and over and over and over and over again. That one day it's like, I don't want to feel like that anymore. So I'm just out. So there's defensiveness. Your relationship with God can feel shaky. There can be self-condemnation that's filling your life. Also, it can lead to making you feel like you just don't want to approach God on your bad days. I talked to a guy this week that said, man, I just haven't talked to God in forever. Because I feel like my life is such a mess right now that I don't even know where I would start. And once I get things fixed up, then I can come talk with God. Because you feel like, man, I'm, God forgave me. That was great of him, but now I'm, I'm going backwards. So I got to fix this stuff so I can get back to a place where I can approach God. I can get back to a place where I can be in good standing with God again. So our relationship with God gets messed up. We feel tired. If you're operating out of this, you can just feel tired. You can just feel tired because you're trying so hard to live a good life, trying so hard to earn it. Yes, okay, God gave me forgiveness. Thank you, God. Now I've got to get on with my life and live a good life so I earn that gift that he gave to me. So there's a movie, Saving Private Ryan. Great movie. I'm going to blow the end. So there's a statute of limitations on these things. If you haven't seen it yet, that's your fault. Saving Private Ryan. I can't, who's, is it Matt Damon? Is he Ryan? Okay, so Matt Damon, cover your ears. Matt Damon, the whole movie is them going to save Private Ryan. And people die along the way going to save him. And he's just this one soldier. He's a private. But people are going, they're dying to save him, to rescue him, to bring him out of, uh, it's World War II, Nazi Germany. So they're going to save Private Ryan. And several people die and finally... Cap, the captain, Tom Hanks, something happens on the bridge and, and he goes to, to save him and, and he dies saving Private Ryan. And Private Ryan doesn't feel like he deserves this. He doesn't feel like he's earned it. It's this great gift that Tom Hanks, Captain Tom Hanks, laid his life down to save him. And he looks at him and he says, earn it. Earn this sacrifice that we did for you. Earn this salvation that we did for you. And here's, um, let me read to you what happens at the very end of the movie when saving private, or when Ryan, James Ryan, is now an old man and he's in the cemetery and he's standing at, uh, Tom, at the captain, Tom Hanks' grave. And here's what he says. He's speaking to the, the dead captain. And he says, my family is with me today. They wanted to come with me. To be honest with you, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I tried to live my life the best that I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what all you have done for me. And his wife comes up to him and says, James, 
Does anyone want to act it out? We've got the script. No, I'm just kidding. James, and then the wife says, she reads the tombstone, Captain John Miller. She sees who it is, and he, he looks at his wife, and he says, tell me, tell me I've led a good life. She says, what? He says, tell me I'm a good man. And she says, you are. And he salutes, and it's over, and, and we applaud. But when we take that into spiritually with God, if our mentality is, man, Jesus died and he sacrificed and that was so great and he saved me when I didn't deserve it and now I've got to earn it. Now I've got to live a good life. Now I've got to be a good man. And that's how we take it into our life. We'll feel like he did. We're never sure that we're a good man. We're never sure we've lived a good enough life. We don't even want to actually be in his presence because we're trying so hard to earn it to work for it, that if all you have is forgiveness, man, stuff with God will be shaky, there will be defensiveness, you'll be tired living your life trying to earn it, you'll search for that declaration of worth and value in other places. See, it's not just forgiveness we want, we want to know, I matter, I'm somebody, I have worth, I have value, and if we're not Getting that from God, if we just have forgiveness, we're going to look for that somewhere else. It might be other people, their opinions of us. It might be our success in life. Okay, look, I do matter because of this. It could be anything that we'll look for it in other things. And relationally, what will happen is our relationships will be shallow. Because we won't want people to see any of the bad part of us. And we'll only surround ourselves with people that make us feel good, make us feel okay. We'll need other people to look at us and say, good job, attaboy, pat on the back. We'll need that from other people. Forgiveness is not enough. Forgiveness isn't enough. It's not enough for God. It's not enough for us experientially. It's a beautiful gift. But it's not enough. So then why did Jesus die? This takes us to our second reason of why Jesus died. And I'll read to you both of these verses and then explain to you what they say. And here's what Paul says. Two different letters here. This is what he writes to the church in the city of Corinth. He says, for our sake. So Paul's talking to the church. For our sake, he, that's God the Father, he made him, that's Jesus. So for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, he wasn't a sinner, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Second part here says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So this is saying Adam in the garden sinned. And when Adam rejected God and he disobeyed God, that one trespass, that one sin, led to condemnation for all men. It set off a spiral of events that all of us now are born with that same desire to rebel against God. So therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, Jesus on the cross, leads to justification. That's a declaration that you're good. Not just that you're cleared, but a declaration that you are good. 
So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So here's what Jesus did on the cross. This is, this is beautiful. On the cross, theologians call this the great exchange. Because here's what happened. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived the life that we should all live. He lived a life with God at the center. He lived a life with a perfect love of God the Father. He lived a life doing everything he should do. Not just that he was sinless, but he lived doing all that he should do. He lived the perfect life. Perfect obedience. Obedience all the way to the point of the cross. And yes, on the cross he forgives us, but there's something more that happens. See, the great exchange is that on the cross, all of our sin went to him. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, if you look to Jesus and say, I want that, all of our sin goes to him. Forgiveness, slate wiped clean. But all of his righteousness goes to us. See, this says that he made him, Jesus became sin. All of our sin was on him so that we might become the righteousness of God. That the many were made sinners, but by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The great exchange is that all of our sin goes to Jesus and all of his righteousness goes to us. Not because we've earned that. We didn't earn any of that. But it's a gift. So what that means is this. That when God looks at you, if you're a Christian, if you have attached yourself to Christ through faith, what that means is that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus' record. When God looks at you, he looks at Jesus and says, Jesus was worthy. Jesus was valuable. Jesus was a good man. He lived the perfect life. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is somebody. And I count his record as your record. What that means is that it's not just to think of it in terms of a report card. It's not just if you have an F, it's not just that the teacher scratches the F out. It's that there's an A. It's not just the slate's clean, the F is off your record, now you better earn that. It's we're giving you Jesus' report card. There's an A on there. That's amazing. So when God looks at us, if we're in Christ, he says, I see you as I see my own son. I see you as I see my own son. So that Jesus had those words carved into his arm for us so that we could have the words righteousness and worth and value carved into ours. 
See, when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, the reason you have worth, the reason you have value, the reason that you're somebody, the reason that you matter, the reason that there's significance, the reason that, that you're okay is because God looks at Jesus' record, not your own. Not all the things that you do to try to pretend or try to perform or try to... We don't have to earn it. Jesus already earned it. So what does that do then to your heart? If you see that, if you believe that, if you trust in that, what would that do to your heart? Man, it gives you such freedom and joy. It gives you a confidence in your relationship with God. They don't have to be worried about, okay, are we okay now? Or are we, he's looking at Jesus's record. So you, you can approach him with confidence. You can rest because you're not trying so hard to earn it, trying so hard to earn it as if we ever could. Instead, we can rest. It doesn't mean we don't live a good life, but we'll live a good life because out of an overflow of joy. Not out of, okay, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to do it. I will do it. But it's free-flowing from the heart. It's not based on our performance anymore. And it gives us a healthy approach to sin where we're actually cool to be, yeah, I'm not okay. Yeah, I've got issues. Yeah, I've got problems. Yeah, I'm working on them. But they don't define me anymore. They don't define me because... My record is actually Jesus' record. Don't try telling that to the cops, but my record is Jesus' record. Officer, I don't need that speeding ticket. My record is his. It doesn't define you anymore, so that means you're free then relationally to let other people in, to let them see the bad stuff. Because it's not just forgiven, and then that bad stuff takes you back to zero again, takes you back to zero again, but... When God looks at you, he says, I see Jesus' righteousness. I see the very righteousness of God. So it allows you to go, yeah, I've got stuff. I'm not okay. I've got issues. But when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. It allows you not to have to strive so hard to look good to other people. You don't need their commendation that you're good, that you're acceptable, that you're valuable, that you're worthy, because you've already got that from God. See, a lot of times when I talk to people and ask them, what did Jesus do on the cross for you? What I hear in response is Jesus died for my sin. And that's true. But that's only half of it. It's only half. And if you're only buying into half of the good news of what Jesus did, if you're only drawing on half of the resources, of half of the strength of what God provides for us, then, man, you're missing out. You're missing out on so much. What would change in your life if you believed that because of Jesus and your attachment to him through faith, that God looks at you and says, when I look in the mirror, I see my son. When I look in the mirror, I no longer see the, the falling short. I no longer see the sin. When I look in the mirror, I see my son. What would that change in your life if you believe that? You might not get that from anybody else in your life. 
That declaration that you're good, that you're okay, that I'm proud of you, that you're beautiful, you might not get that from anybody else. But if you've got that from God because of Jesus, that changes everything. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, that craving in our heart, that desire in our heart to matter, to feel value, to feel worth, Jesus not only forgives us of our sin, but he gives us his righteousness.